0: We are beginning a new eight week series today. We're calling it waging peace. And yes, it's a, it's a play on words. We know what it means to wage war, to escalate conflict, to, to rush to the barricades, to take up arms, to fight. We see it happening all over the world. Millions of people have been displaced in recent years. We hear about this in the news all the time because of those who wage war from Syria to Afghanistan, South Sudan to Myanmar and Somalia. International humanitarian organization, Mercy Corps says that more than a third of the world's displaced population, some 25 and a half million people have been forced to flee their own countries entirely, have to leave their country. So just ask them, these innocent victims, they know the realities of waging war. And we know conflict, do we not? In our own country, right here within our own borders, week by week, day by day, those who wage political conflict ratchet up the intensity as the rhetoric of disagreement just only seems to deepen and deepen. It's possible I would imagine some are trying to do this. It's possible to insulate yourself from the conflict. You can ignore the news feed, ignore the headlines, the radio shows. You know, but sooner or later, we all become aware that there are deep, deep divisions in our own country. And some are saying that we're headed toward armed conflict within our own borders. Some of us have conflict waging in our own homes as angry words are exchanged, misunderstandings increase, and God forbid, conflict escalates into physical pushing and shoving, or worse, There are so many people that just seem so angry all the time. Have you noticed just this Friday, two days ago, I was bicycling on the Centennial trail. One of the things I love to do Centennial trail has signs every mile or so, maybe not quite that often, but there's signs that you see over and over again. The signs say, keep to the right, pass on the left, make an audible signal when you pass. It's pretty clear. I think, That applies to bicycles, runners, walkers, skaters. Applies to everybody. Keep to the right, patch to the left. So I try to do my best to do that. As I'm biking along, I have a little bell on my bike that I ring when I'm approaching people. I seek to be kind and nice on the trail. But there was this guy coming at me on the Centennial Trail who was clearly operating by a different set of rules. I don't know where he got his rules. But he approached me on the same side of the the trail I was on. So he was on his left side of the trail. I'm on my right side. And I looked up. I saw him quite a ways off. And he's gesturing like this. (laughs) And I'm thinking, maybe he's praising God? Uh, I don't know. But as I get closer and closer, finally, I veer to the left to miss him, and he veers to the left, too. Or, yeah, he veers to his, to his right. And so now we're, like, just about ready to hit, and I stay where I was, and it's like a big game of chicken, and he goes over all of a sudden to, you know, and we just barely miss each other. And as he's going by, he called me a rather distasteful name. Wow. <laughs> so angry just just ready to have a conflict now and then if that weren't enough we passed together again <laughs> so I went to I, I rode to Snohomish and turned around you know I had my little granola bar and my little water and then I turned around and started coming back and there he is again and as he's approaching me, he's gesturing again. He's on the other side this time. <laughs> you know, he's on, the, he's on his right side, but he's gesturing at me again. And he called me a different name when he went by the second time. Conflict and more opportunities for conflict are all around us. I, you know, as that happened to me on Friday, I'm thinking about my sermon and I think about this sermon series and I'm thinking, yeah, this is what we need to be talking about right now because it, it, things are just ratcheted up. People are so angry on so many levels in their families, in their communities, politically so much conflict, so angry. We all know what it means to be in conflict. We know what it means to wage war. But what does it mean to wage peace? How can we be intentional about bringing peace, allowing for peace, making peace? Can peace be waged? I believe it can. But it won't be easy. It won't be automatic, or somehow like flipping a switch, because we must choose it. We must learn how. We must learn it. It doesn't come naturally. Two weeks ago, Theron Fenner was here on Sunday morning, actually provided a great introduction to this false topic in her sermon from jeremiah twenty nine entitled, Making Peace. And in her sermon, she gave an example from her own life of peacemaking in her neighborhood, in her home. She encouraged us to start small, to make peace close to home. She's right on. Because if we're going to learn peacemaking, we need to be willing to think about it in these terms where we live, in our homes, where we work. In the words of John Huckins and Jer Swigert in their book, Mending Divides, quote, if the church is going to be an instrument of peace in the world, we have got to lead by example in our own communities. There's a concept. The church of Jesus Christ, leading by example, making peace. And I would love to just jump into that and talk about that now, what we're getting ahead of ourselves. I want us to back up. In a sense, I want us to back up to the beginning. The beginning of our life as a community. As followers, as disciples of Jesus. Disciple means learner as disciples of the risen Jesus. As you probably know, we have four gospels, which have differing perspectives on Jesus's life and ministry. John's perspective, our gospel reading today, is particularly unique in many ways. It's different from the other three. And one of the distinctives is how he tells the story of what happened first after Jesus was raised. Jesus coming back to life is the pivotal event of history, right? There's nothing more important that has happened in the history of humanity than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when he comes, To his gathered disciples for the first time, I'm wanting us to notice the first thing John remembers him saying. Guess what it is? Peace. Irene humin in Greek, or he probably said it in Aramaic or even Hebrew. Shalom alechem. Peace be yours. Why would he say this? At this key time, why would he say, "Peace be yours?" Maybe because he knew they were afraid. But notice in verse 20, he shows them his hands and his side. Why do he do that? Do you know? Why would he show them his hands and his side? What happened to him? He was nailed on the cross and he was pierced in the side. These were the places he was wounded. He knew this and he was saying to them, hey, it's really me. Then what does he say? Anybody know? Do you have your Bibles open in front of you? He says it again, peace. And then, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Folks, I have begun to see that these two statements are related. That Jesus was sent as the one who brings peace, and he is sending his disciples into the world with the same mission. A mission of peace. This is not completely out of the blue for them. Jesus had promised as much. In John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And in chapter 16, he had just said the father was with him and then he said, I have said this so that you may have peace. In the last few weeks, I begin to understand more about this. That Jesus was prophesied to be the prince of, Of peace, Isaiah 9 6. That he came into Jerusalem riding a donkey as a sign of being a king, but not just any king, being a king of peace. And so when we read in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. And then right after his resurrection, he says, peace to you. As the father sends me, I am sending you as what? Yes, I think as peacemakers. This is nothing short than a commission. So in these next eight weeks, we will unpack this. We'll look at our world, we'll look at our community, we'll look at our families, and yes, our church, and we're going to get honest about the places where we think we're being called, where we're being called to not just think about, or not just talk about, but to wage peace. And we'll also look honest, as honestly as possible at ourselves. To identify the obstacles to being a peacemaker. And this will probably be the toughest task of all. The obstacles we place in front of ourselves to being peacemakers every day. Now just one note of clarification for this morning. We're going to spend some time defining what we mean by peace. For now, let me just say that we're talking about more than merely an absence of conflict. It's more than a lack of violence. Peace. This is a really big concept biblically. It shows up in the Old Testament nearly 400 times. Shalom means wholeness. It means completeness. Fullness. Salvation, it means flourishing. Shalom is something that we can seek together. It's even a name for God. There's plenty to unpack here. But the bottom line for today is this. Our world needs peace. Our families need peace. Our church needs it. Our community needs it. On the one hand, it would be possible for us to stand back and say, well, somebody should do something, you know, about this. Somebody ought to wage peace. I'll leave you with a question today, a question you may have heard before, In the words of some of our most beloved national leaders of the last century, words often attributed to Presidents John F. Kennedy and Ronald Reagan, Someone ought to? If not us, who? If not now, when? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Would you join me in prayer? Holy God, we pray that you would allow us to respond to your word the way that we ought to respond. I pray for this church, for all of us in this room, that you would prick our hearts just as, Jesus, you breathed the Holy Spirit onto your disciples that day. Holy Spirit, we pray for you to fill us and that we would be able to carry your ministry of restoration and reconciliation, wholeness and shalom to our families, to our communities, to this church, and beyond that we would understand a more full expression of what it means to be one in Christ what it means to be part of what you are doing in this world oh God help us to be everyday peacemakers as we bring our offering to you this morning we pray that you would take it and use it for your kingdom your kingdom of peace Pray all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ, amen.